I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Finland is often ranked the happiest country on Earth, but the Nordic country is not utopia for everyone. Despite the Nordic country's utopian reputation, Finns of African descent often face racial profiling and discrimination. WBEZ's Natalie Moore spent a couple of weeks in Finland this summer. She joined us on the show from Finland while she was there covering the country's open prison system, and she's back home to share what she learned about the Afro-Finn experience. And as Natalie made her way around Finland, she had a stark moment of empathy. I thought that I would stand out or people would wonder about me, but I was really surprised that people approached me speaking Finnish. And I talked to some Afro-Finns later because I didn't particularly think I looked Finnish. And they said that there has been so much pushback with Afro-Finns feeling like they didn't belong and who's a real Finn. And oftentimes white Finns would speak to them in English or another language like, oh, you're not really Finnish. So people speaking to me in Finnish was a corrective of, oh, we're not going to assume that someone Black is not Finnish. So why did you want to speak to those people? Why did you choose to interview Afro-Finns while you were there reporting on open prisons? Because like you said, this place, as well as other Nordic countries, are seen as utopic because they do so well on measures around education and healthcare, for example. But I wondered, what did that utopia mean, look like for people of color? And I had learned that Africans in the EU ranked Finland last in terms of discrimination. So they feel like they're discriminated the most in the EU. So I didn't want to go there and just say, look at all these wonderful things that they do. Here's an asterisk that (laughs) that goes along with race. So as we mentioned at the top, Natalie, Finland was ranked as the happiest place on earth. And you spoke to someone who analyzed the data. Who'd you meet? I met Frank Martella, who is a scholar there, and every year the UN puts out a world happiness report, and the Nordic countries are always in the top 10, and Finland has ranked number one for several years. So Frank and some other scholars decided to dig deeper into this concept of happiness, and I met him at a boulevard park in downtown Helsinki, and I first asked him if he's happy. Yeah, I guess yes, I would say that I'm relatively happy person, yeah. I guess like the basic things in life are quite well for me. So I have like work and I'm able to do the kind of work that I love doing. Then I have like a family, I have like three small children. So that's of course a big part of my well-being and happiness. All the things in life are basically quite good at the moment. And being quite good doesn't mean warm weather. You know, people associate happiness and bliss with tropical islands. So Frank went on to dig deeper into the data and this is what he found. One thing to like notice that the thing that they're measuring there is this general life satisfaction. They ask people like, think about 10 as the best possible life and zero as the worst possible life. Where would you put yourself on this ladder? So that's kind of like not a question about, you know, did you smile today or did you laugh today or anything like that, but more like evaluating your life in a general sense. And that's a question for Finnish people and the Nordic people seem to be like having very high averages. But there's like less research, like, like international conferences about this questions related to like laughter and smiling and that, that's these kind of things but in these rankings Finland tends not to be like in the top it's like the actually the Central American countries for some reason seem to be the ones who are always on top of that kind of rankings I actually was traveling there and I remember like visiting this one village it was on the east coast of Nicaragua 
and it was like this quite isolated village that you had they, there was like no road there but you had to like take a like boat trip to get there and then I was like hanging there for a while and then one this local guy I was like became like tour guide or he was like like just showing me around and when we were walking there like every third person that we met he was like hey that was my cousin or that was my friend and so forth and I was thinking you know that it's quite a nice way of living that all the people that he, he has like grown up with are still living in the same village that you know his parents his brothers sisters his cousins his friends he sees them like every day which is of course not true for more urban living so I'm curious Natalie what did Frank offer as part of the reason that Finns are supposedly happier government works <laughs> systems work <laughs> institutions work um, and so this is what he gets into with that some countries have what is called like beneficial circle of like this high trust thing that you know that people are trusting the institutions and because of that they vote for people who are like you know pro institution and those people are then like you know having quite high tax levels and because of that they can like and low corruption and because of that they can like maintain these institutions that serve the people so kind of like in a, in a way that Finland is, or Nordic countries are almost the only countries where you can go to the election saying that I'm going to raise taxes and you can like still win the election. <laughs> Because in most countries people don't, uh, the trust in the institution is lower so people are less willing to pay taxes and more willing to like, and, like trying to get lower taxes because they don't believe that the taxes, tax money is put into good use. But in the Nordic countries there is this like, kind of, like trust that the institutions are going to be doing good things with the money that we pay for them. All right, let's meet some more Afrofins and tell us some of the major issues that they discussed with you. They talked about trust for whom, who is government working for, and it's not for everybody. Well, let's meet some more Afrofins and tell us, Natalie, some of the major issues that they discussed with you. Overall, they talked about the sense of belonging, not seeing themselves reflected in society. They also talked about trust for whom. If you are an immigrant, if you are African, these systems may not be working for you as well as they are for other people, such as getting jobs because of your name, there's discrimination. You know, we've heard that here in the States, if you have a so-called black name, you don't get a call back. And if you had a non-Finnish name, there was research saying the same thing in Finland. Um, but this first person we're going to hear from is Sarah LaRue. And she is with the Finnish African Society. Personally, for me, when I've, we've had this discussion, I've always said I personally haven't had anyone walk up to me and call me the N-word or like tell me to go back to where I'm from. Um, so my experiences when it comes to racism or discrimination, I cannot be generalized or you cannot um, you cannot associate it to the typical immigrant or the African woman. But that being said. Um, I'm educated, um, I, I speak fluent English, I have a different class, so what I might experience in terms of racism is completely different from that African woman who came here, uh, has no education, doesn't have the kind of connections or networks that I have, so um, I'm very sort of uh, careful when it comes to that topic. And Sarah and her husband, they're raising a daughter, right? And she gets into the intergenerational dynamic a little bit when it comes to race and racism. When the time comes, we will talk about that. But for now, I'm raising her to see man, woman, girl, boy. 
and not, you know, skin color. She will eventually. There are some days she sees me and she sees that, okay, daddy's different color, mama's different color. So once she starts talking, then we will talk about all those things. And we will say, yes, people come in different pigments, but it doesn't take away from who they are. I will teach her those things and I would also be firm in letting her understand that when it comes to discrimination you will not be discriminated the same level as an African child because you're lighter you've got curly hair but then with the African kid it's also going to be different with same would apply to a kid who wears a hijab or a Russian kid or an Asian kid so what do you think about Sarah's perspective I think she's honest in pointing out issues around colorism and class. And I talked to another scholar who's originally from Cameroon, and he said, you know, there's a difference between being an immigrant or being an expat. And he wanted to be seen as an expat because of how immigrants are treated and the type of work that's available to them if they are lower income. Natalie, you also met some grassroots Afrofins as well. Can you tell us about them? Yes. So Saida Mikey Pensila is a co-founder of Good Hair Day, which is an event that's in Finland every year that focuses on hair, but it's really about community and providing space for Afro Fins to convene. Because of COVID, it was not in person, but I was able to tune in online. But later I got to interview Saida. I was born in the 80s, so Finland looked very different from how it looks nowadays. And uh being in Finland, you definitely felt like you stood out as a kid and like I stood out and having to be like the only kid of color in any hobby or any daycare class or later in school or even in the whole school, being the only one who was like with brown hair type of question. So uh, later when Good Hair Day was formed about six years ago was kind of a phase where in Helsinki, a lot of the both Afro-Finnish population, but also like just people of color in Helsinki were starting to get together and try to create a community for themselves. And I was so excited to see that happening. I was living in the States at the time, and I was just like, I really need to be a part of this. This is something that I've always dreamed to be able to provide for those coming after me, the generations after. And having, you know, studied and lived abroad, being able to access black and brown spaces and knowing how that empowered me and how much it gave me inspiration and uh, role models and just representation of different types of careers. I was like, this is something that we really need to bring to Finland. And Good Hair Day, it really started a movement in Finland that bore good fruit, right? Yes, and Afro-Fin finally made it into the Finnish dictionary. Wow. So I think with uh, with Good Hair Day, we tried to coin this term of Afro-Finnishness. It didn't really exist before. It was maybe like, you know, people considered themselves mixed or, you know, had African heritage. And we felt that it was a way to bring in the different communities, to bring in both those who have moved here from Africa, but also those who are mixed and also those who are adopted, so who identify as Finnish but just happen to have African heritage. With the COVID pandemic, it's hard to place times, but I feel like two or three years ago, the Finnish uh, dictionary, Kielitoimisto, added the word Afro-Finn, Afro-Suomalainen, into the dictionary. And we felt that as a victory because we had for three years been talking about it and people were, you know, like questioning us on like, oh, is that a correct term to use? Shouldn't you, you know, in Finland, that term before has also been like dark-skinned which is very problematic as is. 
And so we had wanted to shine away from that and, and kind of, with Good Hair Day, bring the pride and joy to also that African heritage and not try to hide it. It was like a victory for us that it made it into the, the dictionary. Obviously, some people critique and say, oh, is it too, like, being too American, bringing the, like, Afro-Finnish term, like, African-American. But at the same time, it is a way to pull in different communities of people with different heritage from all over the African continent. I mean, in Good Hair Day, if you happen to be Afro-Brazilian but living in Finland, you're part of our community. And Sasha, earlier we heard from Sarah as she discussed not emphasizing her child's race and putting off racism conversations or the Finnish version of the talk. But in contrast, Saida believes in the direct approach. That is definitely a hard one. And I think there's also a lot of exercisation that goes to mixed kids and kind of like, oh, it's so beautiful. You know, my kid is so beautiful and it's a perfect mix of these two cultures. And and in that exercisation is kind of forgotten what that does, especially in a Finnish culture where you're not really supposed to be bragging. You're not supposed to be standing out. It's even more crazier that either it's a negative racism or it's like the over positive, like, oh, your hair is so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And then the mom is like, of course, my kid is going to have the Finnish privileges because my kid is finished there's no question about it and kind of almost refusing to see color I'd say that's one of the root problems because if you're not accepting to see that your kid is different even if at home it doesn't matter to you what color you are when you step out that door when you have your first interactions in daycare when you go to school the outside world still sees color so why not talk about that fact already from a young age so I think that is a really strange place to be in especially then if that African or black parent is out of the picture and you're not getting to explore that identity and those roots where you're left to grow up kind of very Finnish and expect it to fit in and then <laughs> then you don't. A lot of people have said, you know, when they talk to their parents about their first, you know, racial experiences or just like doubts and questions, they were just trying to brush it away like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, just go ahead with your life. And the parents didn't like stop to discuss it. Well, Natalie, speaking of good hair, Saida had her own hair horror stories growing up in Finland. That's also something like that has, you know, changed. Like, yeah, growing up, obviously, there was like no hairdressers. Well, not to say no, there was one hairdresser, International Colors, Colors International, but I don't know when they opened, but I never like really... I heard more about them later when I was older, but like, yeah, doing my hair like would, you know, pl- would plan like maybe okay when we travel we're gonna go to the hairdressers and cut it. Or then there was a, a couple of like Lebanese or Brazilian hairdressers who knew, knew how to treat my hair. But like that's just that experience of going to a salon and they look at you like, nope, I'm not gonna cut your hair because you're gonna break my scissors. And you're like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, so ignorant. Natalie, you tried to get your own hair done while you were in Finland, right? I'm so curious. What was that like? Girl, <laughs> I wish I had tuned into Good Hair Day first. <laughs> that's see brave. Who's Afro friend. <laughs> that is brave because we can't we can't just go anywhere. So tell me about this experience. I did go to a high end salon. I just happened to run into it when I was in a mall, and I was like, "Can you do black hair?" And he said, "Yeah, I can do American hair." I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting. I've never heard American my hair, hair characterized as American hair." <laughs> and you know, he really tried and it was clean. It smelled good. You know, I was having him straighten my hair. And so he just really couldn't get it straight. But it did prevent me from coming back home looking a hot mess going to my <laughs> stylist. But yeah, I wish I had met Sida <laughs> ahead of time and tuned in to Good Hair Day um, because there were lots of stylists I could have gone to. Well, let's go back to talking about Sarah, because she also had some perspective on the African journey in Finland. 
Yeah, in spite of her glass half full take on dealing with racism in her country, she has a historical perspective that sends a clear message. I speak to uncles who came here in the 80s, for example, and they will tell you that back then it was really rare to see like so many black people. I walked in town with one of them and he was like, oh my God, there's so many black people now. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, yes, back in my time. I was like, you mean in the 80s? And he was like, yeah. Like seeing another black person was like a gem, like, hey brother, what's up? But now he's right. There are so many black people, you know. So Finland is opening up, whether people like it or not. And issues like these are going to be discussed. Issues like these are going to come up. And people are becoming more aware of this. So anecdotally, Natalie, how did the lives of Finns measure up to African-Americans, for instance? Who? Um, well, I'll say broadly speaking, they are benefiting from a social welfare state and receiving health care, child care, access to elder care, things that we don't have in our systems. They are watching us, though. They are aware of Black Lives Matter. I was asked a lot of questions about police brutality and police killings, and there's research there about profiling that's happening in Finland. But I also say that they look to us with culture. There it was a feature on this morning I had with an, an Afro-Finnish woman who's of Somalia descent who talked about learning English by listening to hip hop and feeling like her own self-discovery was from reading the autobiography of Malcolm X and listening to Common Song, Asada and Most Def and Erica Badu. And lastly, I'll just say, you know, we have a lot of our problems here in, in the U.S. with African-Americans. Um, you know, there's no question about that in terms of inequities and racisms, but there is a different sense of self that I think that we have you know, we're not reflected in all realms of culture, but we can see ourselves on television and in music and in many other ways of pop culture. And we have community here. They're trying to build space. And, you know, in most places in this country, you're already going to have that informal infrastructure and community. Well, that is WBEZ's Natalie Moore with part one of her exploration into Afro-Finnish life. Now, she'll be checking back in next week to finish off our Finnish journey, pun intended. (laughs) Natalie, thank you for sharing this experience (laughs) with us. Thanks, Sasha. Natalie Moore's reporting from Finland was made possible by a grant from the Richard C. Longworth Media Fellowship Program, funded by the Clinton Family Foundation and supported by the Chicago Council on Global Affairs and the Pulitzer Center. You can find the series online at wbez.org slash Finland. Can't wait to hear more from Natalie Moore about her encounters with Finland's Afro community. And you can hear it as well if you subscribe to this podcast. Then take a few seconds to give us a rating and a review. Doing that helps people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. We'll meet again soon.